you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Bruce, when he, when he came, he was talking about um, uh, ghosts and, and places this old and, and places with this much history and that they're, they're a place for kind of spirits and spirits that have been around and, and maybe a, have a gravitational pull for, for spirits. And I wasn't sure exactly what he was talking about for a minute, but then um, he really started talking about how we all have those people. It's not just Ron Sano, who he brought up by name. It's not just Ernie Banks. It's not just... But it says all, all, all the people in us, too, uh, for us, and, and all the people that, that still live in us, even though they might not be next to us, they're still in us. And, and, and sometimes nights like this, you, you think about that, and, and, you know, it could be a family member. It, it, it could be, um, you know, your best friend and, and, um, or your wife or all three. Um, but... Uh, I'm just, uh, now I'm, I'm really thinking about that just now. I'm thinking about all the people that I wish were here, and then especially when the team does good, I wish they were here to see the team do good. And see all the magic that happens at this field. And, and away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and if you've been tuning in all month july is wrigley month and we are just going to keep going here yesterday we released an episode with dr john evans it's fantastic go seek it before you listen to the rest of this and it'll kind of tie some uh some things in together that we're going to be talking about today but we continue on it's night one of 2016 and my co-host over there john farrar you were at this show so we're going to get a lot of insight from you tonight yeah this was a big one like this is the this was kind of the first time i had made it like a destination show you know i kind of been to some shows around the southeast and and everything but this is the the first time where planned it out and was like we got on a plane and did the whole thing and yeah, it ended up uh, being pretty special. So, yeah, talk talk about all that stuff because you had some intriguing, you know, surrounding your uh, your your plans and everything like that. So, some yeah, intriguing yeah. life things 
sprouted up. So uh, get into that before getting into sort of just the overall dynamic of being around Wrigley. Sure. So I had had uh, tickets to some shows in the in the southeast. I had gone to I had tickets for Jacksonville and Greenville and Columbia and Raleigh before that got canceled. I had gotten those, and then so I uh, when they announced the Wrigley shows, I think it was probably February. Um, my wife at the time before she passed, um, I had gotten with her and I had said, you know, we should we should make a. What do you think about going to Chicago and seeing Pearl Jam? Like, well. Because we had been waiting to adopt for, God, two years, three years at that point. And my thought was we kind of needed like a break. Let's let's take a little vacation and have spend some, get get away and spend some time. It'll be, it'll be good. We'll, we'll take some good pictures like in Chicago. It'll show that like, you know, we're fun-loving young people who like to go and do things. So, and she finally agrees like, sure, no problem. So, of course, what happens a month later, we get a call and for an adoption. And my we go to Florida and adopt my son, who is now four. He was born on Leap Day 2016. So now comes the problem. Like, I, we have, I, I won tickets. I didn't have GA. I just won reserve seats. But now we have tickets to go see Pearl Jam in Chicago, and we have a newborn. So... You guys know with with Pearl Jam tickets, you can't just sell them online. Like, you can sell them, but you have to be there to pick them up. Like, you can't just sell your tickets and have someone else go pick them up. That's not how it works. So we went over all the options, and we decided to still go, but I would go to the shows and sell the extra ticket, and she would stay with the kid. And we had a day in between where... We got to go hang around Chicago, and that was great. Like I have, I have great memories of just walking around Chicago with, with my son and her. Just yeah, we just had a whole day, and we did the whole touristy things. We walked around, and it was fantastic. Um, but we we flew in. I think we got there the morning of the show. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't have time to do any any merch lines or anything like that. Like I just I didn't have the money. <laughs> we had like a a, a four month old, a five month old at this point. I had to had to fly with him on the. On the plane, it was a whole ordeal, but you know, I that was the the trade off is that I made some money back from selling the tickets, got face value, so so that definitely helped. But it was kind of a whirlwind weekend. It was, but it was a lot of fun. Like I remember, you know, when when I got there, like we checked into the hotel, got settled, got the kids straightened away, and you know, she was just gonna go to sleep. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the show. So I I go down to get on the train. And like I'm getting on the red line, and I'll, you know, I've, I've I've driven through Chicago years and years ago when I was in a punk rock band and we were playing around, but we never actually got a chance to play there. But I'm just thinking like all this iconic things, like oh, you know, the there's the red line, there's you know Wrigleyville. I'm looking at the map and I'm just point, picking out all these places from from songs and bands that I know. Like, uh, so yeah, it was it was just crazy. I was just kind of in a just kind of in a whirlwind like my head was in the clouds kind of just kind of getting on the train and going into Wrigleyville and get off the train, you get up and there's 50,000 people walking around. You're walking through Wrigleyville, you know, following this huge crowd. You're seeing the bars and you see Murphy's and everything. You're walking up and it was, you see the big, like, you know, the big marquee Wrigley field. And like, I'm trying to take pictures and it was, it was I have great memories of this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
my seats were similar to where you and Chris were. I think for 2013, I was kind of maybe 10 or 12 rows back on the behind on the first baseline. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a fun weekend. Let's look. Anytime that you're at one of these big events, and it's nothing but Pearl Jam in the surrounding areas, especially Wrigley, because Wrigley is such a a community friendly area. It kind of feels less like a concert and more like a convention, you know, where you're, you're going and, and you have things to do. And, and, you know, I know at conventions, people like to do cosplay, but anybody that's, that's wearing Pearl Jam shirts, you can kind of say, Oh, well, he's wearing a shirt from the Vitalogy era. That's from the, the backspacer tour era. So it's kind of, kind of the same idea. And, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing beats the atmosphere, of just being around the ballpark and being around all those people. So yeah, no, that's, that's, that's all great stuff. Um, before we get into doing the set and everything like that, why don't we get to our normal housekeeping stuff and, uh, and alert some people to some things that we're doing in the, uh, next coming while. So, we are doing all of the Wrigley shows. If you listened in last week, you would have heard 2013's Wrigley show. And next week is going to be 2016's night two Wrigley show. And then we'll do 2018 for the rest of the July months, as well as we're going to be doing an episode with a special guest every week. So you heard John Evans yesterday, next week we'll have a special guest as well. Um, Should we reveal it now? Does it make any sense, or should we keep it a secret? Ooh, I'm always for keeping secrets. I know you are. Spill it. I think. I think, I think these people. These people have waited. This is a bit. I mean, I think we can spill it if you want. All to. right. All right. So um, we're gonna have Jonathan Cohen on, and uh, he's somebody that helped uh, write the PJ20 book. And you know, he was he was uh, you know, if you remember the Gigaton listening party that they did you know months before the album came out he was part of that so we'll get some of his takes on that and he, for Wrigley at 2013 he was on the side stage so I'm gonna guess he has a lot of things that he saw and uh, he was probably knee deep in the trenches of it so we're very excited to talk to him about basically not just Wrigley but all things Pearl Jam related yeah I mean it'll be interesting to talk to someone who's kind of skirted around the inner circle you know he's kind of sure he's had access to some things that we can only dream of so of course he was he was a booker for the tonight show all the music so he, he's got a lot of stories about that i'm sure yeah so yeah i'm really looking forward to it we're gonna we're gonna pick his brain and uh he's, it's not someone you normally hear from on a podcast so i'm i'm excited absolutely absolutely so uh in conglomeration with Wrigley month. We are getting to your stories. I know I've collected a ton of stories. We've collected a ton of stories over the past month or so, and we're still collecting stories. So if you have something from any of the shows, one of the shows, all the shows, doesn't matter how many it is. Just tell us a story. If you want it to get shared on the air, hit us up at live on four lights podcast at gmail.com. That'll be towards the end of the month. I think that'll be one of the last things that we release after uh, out of this, uh, this month, uh, celebration of sorts. So, uh, yeah, if you have any stories, please send them to us and, uh, we will be happy to share. We got tons of response so far. So thank you for everybody that's, that's sent in already. And, uh, thank you for everybody for the pictures as well. It's, it's really important to note that everybody's has sent along pictures along with their stories. So I want to, I want to do something cool with them, but I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't know if people sent it in for privacy or 
reasons or, you know, I, I, I don't want to share with everybody if, if it's not cool. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll get to do something with these photos, but everybody that has sent in, it's, it's been a really, co- really cool just looking in at everybody's experience from this. And it's kind of helped us do our job here and kind of look back on some of the things in a different light as well. Yeah, they've been, they've been great. I'm looking forward to, to getting into some of those and reading them. I mean, thanks everyone so much. You know, we, that's not something we normally do is like read emails on the show, but, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be special. So I think, uh, and I just thank everyone for sending them in. It's going to be a great episode. Yeah. There are going to be some heart wrenching ones. There are going to be some, uh, stories that are absolutely out of this world. There are going to be some stories that you wouldn't believe if we told you in there, there might be a story that's tied into something that we're talking about today. We, we're not sure yet, but we're, we're working on it. So, um, all right. So we have that and we have Patreon as well. If you're interested in, uh, donating to our Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. We have a lot of stuff going on over there. Last week we released some new episodes. We have a new bridge school episode from 1999 that we did. That's, uh, that's fresh from last week. And as well, uh, we released an immortality evolution episode. So we have a lot of stuff going on, John. Yeah, and we might have a couple of uh, of Devo episodes coming out. If you if you listen to our the beginning of our top twenty five songs, uh, you might be getting the uh, the the last parts of that coming out soon too. So There's if you've been thinking stuff. about it, if if you if you've been thinking about it, you haven't been able to pull the trigger. Now's a great time to come in because we got a lot of stuff going on this month and even more coming down the pipe. And I made some promises for Patreon, and and thankfully everybody that has chipped in. We have gotten to our goal. So we said last week that if we hit 50, we will give everybody a gift. And we're going to go even beyond that. So if for anybody else that decides that they want to sign up to Patreon and subscribe for the rest of the month of July you will be getting a free gift as well. So you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift. And uh, these five new patrons are going to be receiving an awesome gift of protection in this time of need. Uh, if you've seen some of the hints that I've posted on social media, you you may kind of concoct what we're coming up with. But uh, thank you to all the new patrons. Uh, Brock Miller, he signed up a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't get to uh, thanking him, so wanted to thank him right off the bat. Tom Gregory, Randy Morgan, Matt Thompson, and David Egan. So thanks to everybody that... You know, that was that was our hit right there. We hit 50 with, with those guys right there. So, you know, if you want to help us out even more, get more people over there. We gave away a free bootleg uh, this past week. It, it was a really good one, and I'm not going to reveal it unless you head over to Patreon and subscribe. And we will send you the free boot of the month if you subscribe after this episode. So there we yeah, have it's, it. It's, it's a good one. It's uh, a really I'll, good I'll one. I won't say, but... Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great one to, to go through. Yeah, think a little bit outside the box. You probably don't have it if you've been paying attention, if you haven't been paying attention. So, okay, that is uh, all the stuff, all the Live on Four Legs show stuff that we needed to get to. So uh, why don't we get into what's going on on stage? And, and you're, you know, you get into the venue and you're you're by yourself, which is, you know, it's always a unique experience when you're by yourself because I, I I at least feel like you can kind of feel your own experiences way more than when you're with somebody else, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, you're just it becomes kind of more personal. Your, yeah, definitely, because you're not worried about what someone else is thinking. You're not, you know, you're not concerned about 
you, you can just focus on your own. Loud, yeah. yeah, definitely. But I remember, you know, getting to my seat, I probably got there about seven, seven thirty, And, uh, yeah, just kind of like taking it all in, just kind of sitting down and thinking like, man, this is Wrigley Field. Like taking in the history, you know, thinking about like all the, all the baseball stuff that's happened there. And I remember they were playing the, the trailer for the Gleason movie, like on repeat. So checking that out mm-hmm. and like, look at that. I, yeah. Just, just a special moment to just kind of sit there and just kind of have, have a few minutes to just take it all in. Yeah. I mean, it's such a special ballpark. You know, I, I would have hated if I would have went to Wrigley for the first time at to see Pearl Jam because that's all I would have wanted would be to see a baseball game. That's that's why you're there for. But, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, you, you get in and, and being able to see all those sites and just see a massive stage there in center field. It's like, well, what, what have they turned this into? This is this is crazy. This is this is awesome. So, you know, it's, it's obviously it's become such a huge destination for any major artist to get to now. And I know Pearl Jam has played there five times and people you can say what you want. They might be sick of the ballpark shows because the last I don't know. How many how many shows has it been since they've actually done a real U.S. leg? Because the last four shows of 2016 have all been ballpark shows. So yeah, that Europe in, in 2018 probably yeah right. But I'm saying just for the U.S. Oh, okay, you add in uh, the home and away shows from 2018, and yeah, that that amounts to a lot of ballpark shows. But there's they still. Even to this day, where you know, you still you've gotten you've gotten past 2013 and and uh, just the mystique and aura from it, it still is important, and it, I, I think they're still cherished to this day. So, all right, let's let's jump right into it. It is night one of 2016, and the band comes out right away. It's a song they don't open with very often. They've only opened with it three times, and. Only once before this date, and that one time that they opened with it was 2008 at the Beacon Theater, I believe. So, Low Light opens the show, and immediately, Ed, right when the chords hit, good evening, good evening, Chicago, good evening, really, and they get right into it, and it's a really, really great version of Low Light that also kicks off the uh, the Let's Play 2 DVD as well. Yeah, I just remember, too, the, just the anticipation in the crowd, because... You know, the last time they were there, it was fraught with all kinds of drama. And the, you know, we, we talked about that to no end last week. But there was a lot of a lot of anticipation in the crowd coming off of like, because it had been, you know, three years. It's like, how are they going to follow that up? You know, what's what's going right. to happen? Like, you know, how are they going to come out? Because I remember talking to people around me because I had never seen release, so I was like really hoping to see release as the opener. And they go into low light, and I'm kind of like, oh well, you know, maybe, maybe they'll they'll do it the next show. But yeah, low light is fantastic. You, they're, you know, they wanted to come out with a bang again after what happened in 2013. It's been a couple of years. They they really wanted to be, to really make it special. And yeah, I think again, the, it's perfect with we talk about it all the time with the lights going down and the darkness kind of encroaching on the. On Had the, the sun set already. From watching, it, I think it was it was coming into it. Yeah. Okay. From watching the movie, it looked really dark, so I couldn't tell. I remember, I remember it being light when they watching the Gleason 
trailer being like. So I think the sun was setting like, right. right as they were starting. Okay. So, yeah, so, perfect. Yeah, they, they tried timing it up. Yeah, that, it all makes sense. So already, you know, you have a pretty impactful song, and Ed's holding out that note at the end. That just feels so good yeah. when he does that. It's my favorite part of the song. I don't Then you get exactly what you wanted, and obviously we talked yeah. a lot about it in yesterday's episode with, I mean, the person to talk about this version with, because Ed already, you know, he's addressing the lightning that happened last time, and I think, was it this night or was it the other night that you got, like, 25 minutes of, of, of downpour sometime during the day, and then it was, it was smooth sailing the rest of the day? Hmm, I don't remember. Okay. It might have been it might have been the second night cuz I think I remember this one was pretty dry. Okay. Um but yeah, like release this is my this is my eighth Pearl Jam show out of 9 and I had never seen release. So yeah, I just remember this really hit with me like I was like, "Oh, finally." Uh and yeah, I remember just screaming my screaming my head off. Yeah, like 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 you said, after the first song, you're kind of like, "Okay, you're resigned to it." They're not going to play it, and then they bust it out. And not only that, but they bust out a really classic version of the song with the one of the most famous dedications that you could imagine. So a guy named John in the front. Where's John? Just want to point out someone here in front because he was the first guy in line two days ago. Four days ago. And he want to be in front for this song because it meant a lot to him and he's just gone through some stuff and we're going to help him out and we're going to... really heartfelt and i feel like the crowd in that moment i can i can envision you know your thoughts going through that song and hearing the song one that you really wanted to hear on this night and everybody was singing louder than they usually do on it and that's a a major statement because they usually sing pretty damn loud oh yeah this is one of the best versions of release that i've heard and we've we've covered a lot of them on the show and this one's this one's up there i think it's a top three top five release because you know that they they were just pouring everything they had into it again. Same with Low Light, you know, being at Wrigley Field again after everything that happened in 2013. I'll you know I'll keep saying it. They they really wanted to make this a special night, and and again he's he's calling out John at the beginning, and I'm like, well I'm back here, like hey, <laughs> what me who? Um, yeah, but you know I had no idea that everything was going around until I went back and saw the movie. Um, but yeah, just a just powerful like it this release just cracks and hits and it's it's powerful yeah and you know what just 
to open a show like this that's going to have so many twists and turns and just memorable, memorable moments for the second moment of, or second performance of the night to still come off as one of the most memorable moments from this show, uh, it, it speaks to how good this show is and how how much they were putting how much of the effort they were putting into to this night and just Wrigley in general. Oh yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, what what, what can you say about a, a low light and release open? Like, it doesn't doesn't get much better than that. Of course not. No, yeah, especially like I said, release. Uh, I mean, low light is not usually the opener song. It's usually the opposite way, where release gets opened with, then they go into low light. So, yeah, I, and I, I, I like it this way. I, th- I think that's a that's a really unique take on it. And I, uh, obviously, like you said, the sun going down that uh, that definitely has something to do with it. But it just makes this version of release even more powerful that nobody's really expecting it either. So, um, here's the reason why I brought up the the rain because they play rain and i thought that that was kind of a a tribute to that and and not the 2013 rainstorm see i always thought it was a, a tribute to the 2013 okay that they they wanted to come on and do it do it like that and also i think too the we should mention the beatles at shea stadium being yeah, one yeah. of the first ballpark shows ever what was that 65 or 66 uh, like yeah, I think it was 65. Yeah, yeah, so that it could be a little a little t- throwback to that as well, uh, you know, as I was thinking as I was going back and listening, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I get the, the theme tie-in and everything, but it, I remember it being kind of a, kind of a letdown after release, because you're kind of like, all right, now we're, we're up, let's go, and then they kind of, kind of break out this mid-tempo, like, there's not much to it. It's not like a, it's not really a sing-along Beatles song that everybody it's a, knows. It's kind of an unknown one. Yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. an so early one. Kind of like, kind of suck a little bit of the energy out of the out of the building. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally get why they did it. That, you know. They they bounce right back. It's not yeah. that ineffective. But you know, just just thinking about you mentioning uh, the Beatles at Shea Stadium, I actually knew somebody. My dad had a friend who was at that show. And I remember him telling me a story about that show, and he said, all you need to know was the acoustics were terrible, that the amplifiers were so small that they couldn't reach all the way up to the red seats. And old, old school Met fans know what I'm talking about, red, red seats at Shea. Uh, that's all he had money for back in the day. Uh, but, you know, if you're up top all the way up there, you can't hear anything. And he said their first song was She Loves You, and all he heard was bling she loves you and the crowd screamed it was all girls screaming after that and that's all he heard it was probably like a 15 song 12 song set or something like that but that's all he heard that whole entire time was just screaming yeah i think that's i think that's the famous you know takeaway from that show is that yeah the i I think i've heard that before is that the the audio was terrible but the yeah. atmosphere was amazing because everybody was just screaming and going nuts. You couldn't even hear the band play. Right. It, I've heard that before. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't think it's it was their first foray playing shows in in, uh, in the States, but it was probably one of their most important. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, it's a good tie-in because, yeah, when you think of ballparks and you think of performances, that's 
that's one of the top dogs right there. Absolutely. So, uh, all right. So after rain, elderly woman, and then you're going to, after elderly woman, you're going to get into some of the energetic sections. So elderly woman does bring you back. You can get rid of rain and maybe put it in mid set or, or an encore somewhere. An elderly woman would do exactly what you were kind of saying you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and again, and uh, th- there's there's a theme with this show too that I'll we can talk about. There's just too many covers. That's the thing that I that I remember thinking about after the show is like there was a lot of cover songs. Ballpark uh, shows tend to. That's yeah, you know, yeah. and that's part of that's Ed thinking back to when he was young and and what songs he wanted to play when he was young to a crowd like this. And you know, I I, I get the frustration with that, but you know, if it's a song like that that they're not gonna bust out. Very often, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. So well, um, I went. I ranked the covers. Um, <laughs> he did. So there's there's seven and a half, uh, technically, if you count Interstellar Overdrive. But this one this one ranks as number five. So okay. if you guys are keeping track throughout the episode, I'll I'll rank the covers for you. All right, all right, that's fair. We'll yeah. uh, we'll bounce them off uh, every time they come up. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think this elderly woman version was on the Let's Play 2 DVD. And mm-hmm. again, you just you hear Ed during it is uh, is doing a dedication. That's one of the important things about this night. Ed dedicates almost every song to somebody. It, it's for something. So, uh, I mean, they're always in that kind of spirit on these nights. Oh, yeah. And, th- and again, hearing hearing everyone singing along to Small Town is cool when you're in an arena with Fifteen, sixteen thousand people, but when you're in a ballpark with fifty, sixty thousand, it really resonates. And yeah. this was a, it was a big hello part. I remember thinking like, this is going to be huge on the recording. Absolutely, yeah. And and it was one. I, I think they had no choice, and they had to put it on Let's Play too because you just have to witness crowds like that doing what, what you want from from a song like Elderly Woman. It was it was fantastic. Um, all right. So this is where you get the energy a little bit. Evolution, last exit, lightning bolt, everybody, the the main talking point, I feel everybody talks about this version of last exit being one of the superior versions that you'll ever hear. At least from, at least from like this era, maybe I'm not including the 95s and and early, early last exits, but uh, everybody, this kind of felt like the moment that really brought, brought you in to the show. And, and again, this was another one that was in the Let's Play 2 DVD and you even see Ed in the beginning, they're going through the set list and you can hear him talking to Stoner Mike and it might've been Matt actually. And he was like, these two, Last Exit Lightning Bolt, tight, tight, tight right there. Um, and, you know, no other set list discussion. That's all you get out of that. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 felt, I felt some good stuff coming out of that version. Hmm. I, I thought Do the Evolution was the highlight of this little section. You get, like, kind of the South American style again that, you know, everybody goes back to those bootlegs as those being the, the quintessential versions with the call and response stuff and the clapping and... I thought that that was fun for me, but yeah, last exit I thought like it was just missing a little bite. I don't know if the guitars were maybe too clean. It it just didn't have the same bite that it normally does. I thought it. Uh, maybe maybe that's that's just me. I I thought 
throughout this whole entire show, this is this is a great Matt Cameron show, and I thought that Cameron just pops on this one, especially. It's I, I thought it was a tremendous version, and and Lightning Bolt. Look, there's a lot of talking during this set in spots where you wouldn't assume that they would talk, and um, he Ed jokes before lightning bolt that he says it's a gutsy move that they're playing this one so you know there he's in a really good and rare mood at this night he's i think he's i think he's more tipsy than ever first of all and you'll see that when when later when he comes out with a much much bigger bottle of wine mm-hmm. but he he's in he's in some kind of playful mood here well you know they were nervous too like you know they're looking at the weather weeks in advance there yeah because they remember they don't want to have to go through what happened last time so i think when everything finally came together and he realized like it was going to go off he kind of just relaxed and loosened up and there's and yeah maybe maybe just decided to have fun with it there he's in a great mood yeah there's a sense there's a sense of a lot of looseness here that it was much looser than 2013 i feel like the beginning of the 2013 show was just like it was almost overwhelming for them and they weren't able to kind of loosen up until maybe corduroy like what three hours after they played their first song uh so yeah that it's there's a lot of differences but um they were definitely ed especially on top of his game for this one and and one of the best speeches from this night i think is him talking about seeing bruce there maybe four years ago i I think uh, a few of us came and we we got to see bruce springsteen play here just a beautiful show and it it poured rain like crazy and it it just made it even better but there was no lightning you see there was no lightning and um because even god ain't gonna throw lightning on bruce fuck that some things you just don't what does that mean like yeah even God that's you don't mess with like the boss right there's God and then there's the boss <laughs> some he goes into a little bit about um, about ghosts and how places like this have ghosts and spirits uh, you know, places with history and it's not just cub legends, but it's people that live in us, even if they aren't next to us, they're still with us. So I, I thought that that was, uh, I mean, it's just Bruce, you know, Ed, Ed is basically spouting the, the gospel of Springsteen here. And, and it's, it's a very, it's a very Bruce statement <laughs> and it's, it's pretty perfect for, for the setting too. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's feeling emotional and like, thinking about growing up and all that stuff and all that stuff kind of comes back on you. And yeah, he's, he's at the age at this point and you know, we're all getting to that age where you can't help but just kind of let that stuff spill out at some point. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame him. Like, yeah. And he manages to be way more poetic and, you know, way more poignant than, than most of us will be. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's what he, he's a professional, professional at it. So, all right. Uh, middle of the set, you get some, uh, get some rare stuff here. You get sad and amongst the waves, I, you know, I think there's a little bit of a missed opportunity here. Play Sad and Light Years back to back. The two binaural era songs. And they kind of, they're both about death and both about loss. Like, hmm. that would kind of, hmm. kind of be a cool little combo. 
yeah, maybe they thought that would just be too much, you know, for for this kind of this kind of moment. Maybe break it up with some happier stuff because amongst the waves is when that kind of soars a little bit, and McCready gets his moment, and you know, especially even flow, McCready just takes it over as as usual. But yes, I, I get sad in light years breaking up. But I, I think this is the first time I'd heard sad as well, so I was super excited to get that one. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm still chasing that one, so I I absolutely know where you're going coming from with that, but it's a good mix i feel like it's a good mix of stuff that you know for serious collector type people and then like amongst the waves is some something that the newer fan has experienced and and like the backspacer tour fan so to speak would would uh kind of get up for that so i i feel like there's just about everything in this show um and you're right that even flow it's to you know no pun intended it, they not they knock it out of the park they somehow find a way from center field to hit it over home plate and still get a home run i don't know how that works but uh yeah no this he, he's absolutely wild and, and you know it's always going to be a special moment when when Mike busts it out but uh the you know now that I think about it, Light Years has a little bit of a tribute to it, so you, you want to break up the song, so it does make sense. But, you know, just thinking back to, you know, the two songs could have been on the album back-to-back together. Who knows? Uh, but this was the same night as the final Tragically Hip show. And, um, you know, they're, this is around the time I think... Uh, what what was Gord Downey going through? I th- he had a it's a brain tumor. Or something, brain, I think you mentioned, yeah. Something th- like there's that. Yeah. there's a certain word for it, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm missing it. Glastio something. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, un- unfortunately, it would take his life a year or so later. He passed in 2017, 2018. Not not too much longer after that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was, if anybody is listening in from Canada, I'm sure, like, that was, I think, broadcast throughout the whole entire country. It was one of the the biggest performances in the history of Canada. So, um, I, I don't really know much about the Tragically Hip, though. Are you... Yeah, no, I'm, that's that's not something that I've ever done, like, a, like a deep dive into. I never really got into them. You know, I, it's one of those it's one of those cliches that like, Oh, they're, they're the Canadian band. They just, sure. Uh, they're huge in Canada and no one, no one else knows about them anywhere else. Yeah. Right. I, I remember like little bits and pieces. I used to watch much music, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes and I, they would be on much music a little bit, but I, I, it would kind of be, again, like you said, one of those bands where I would see it on much music and it wouldn't it'd just be like, okay, well, they're not going to pop up on MTV or VH1. So, I, why should I care? Why should I pay attention to them? Yeah, but, you yeah. know, it's still, they still go down as, as one of the, like, absolute legendary bands. If you talk to anybody from Canada, they'll equate Gord Downey to being the same kind of storyteller that a Bruce Springsteen or a Tom Petty is. So it's it's huge. It's it's big on that level. And that's a really huge tribute to get Light Years in there. And, uh, you know, Light Years being a really important song for you, uh, what was that moment like? Oh, one of my favorite songs. Yeah. I, I love love light years it's it's one of my favorites and yeah these these two here back to back it's just perfect but I want to talk about too about how this set list is constructed so much different than night two we'll, we'll talk about that more when we when we get into night two but look at this like go through the set list like yield 10 cover versus yield vitalogy lightning bolt ride or uh, lost dogs 
Backspacer, 10, Binaural. Like, it's a dartboard show. Yeah, they're they're just mixing it up perfectly. And, yeah, like, getting light years, oh, it's, it's perfect. I I love the, the outro of it. I, you know, lyrically, it's perfect. Like, like I said, you know, I've got, a, got the lyrics tattooed on my arm. So, yeah, it's one of my it's favorites. It's forever ingrained in you, yeah. Um, nice little stretch right here. It's a little bit different to get these kind of songs back to back to back. I, th- I thought the, the placement was a little strange, but I thought it was effective too. Uh, I got shit into Mind Your Manners and to Unthought Known. Those are three completely different songs, but it, I think your dartboard theory works perfectly with this section. Yeah. And I got shit coming off of Light Years. Like, for me personally, it really doesn't get much better than that. Just a powerful version of I Got Shit as well. But I mean, too, I think I think after I Got Shit, it was kind of like, and Mind Your Manor starts like, oh, okay, this is going to be kind of a letdown. I think I probably like probably pulled out my phone and like looking at stuff like, oh, okay, I, this is kind of where they're going to take a little break. And, you know, I can look around and take some pictures, see what people are saying about the show. But yeah, I think they they kind of lost me in, in mind your manners and unthought known. I was kind of like, okay, well, like this is kind of the cool down section, you know, not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just, they're just not songs that, that grab you like a light years. And then I got shit to, but then immediately after I get, I got punched in the face. Yeah. Um, I, to speaking to that, I, I think it's just due to uh, the monotony. You, you see them yeah. almost every other show, especially mind your manners at the time is just, we're we're a bit over it and we're ready to move on from lightning bolt even three after three years after the album comes out so uh yeah and unthought again that's that's an incredibly common song so i i get it i get the apathy um they're two great songs and i enjoy that but i would that, that would probably be the least memorable moment for for me in the set as well uh but ed is seems really just happy during the section, especially on Unthought Note. He's trying to hit all those high points in the song, and he's kind of missing them, and that's a good sign because that means he's trying for them. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's at least up for the challenge, and, and that's not that's not the kind of ed that, that you get nowadays. So, uh, But, yeah, you're absolutely right. This little section right here was played in just about the same spot at Night One Fenway, in 2016 and i remember just being in absolute awe of masters of war and just i think at that point they hadn't played it in maybe uh i have it right here since 2008 wow they hadn't played it in eight years so they're bringing it back and i think you know the election is on their mind at this point you're you're coming down to just just months before november and you know, these two songs are really impactful for that sort of conversation. Oh, absolutely. And I think by this point, you know, we kind of knew that the thing we didn't want to happen it looked like was going to happen. Like, he had, he had gotten the nomination, and it, it was like, okay, well, this could get bad. So, yeah, I think it was kind of starting to realize, like, we need to start paying attention to this right now. Right, and it just it just brings in so much more just power and emotion out of masters of war especially like this oh my god this i am a patriot is fantastic and we'll get to that in a second but this masters of war 
Like, I thought the Fenway version was good. This is this is right up there I, to get a song that they haven't played in eight years and to sound like this and for Mike to sound like that near the end of the song. You're freaking out of breath by the time they go back and they do the ending on it. That was oh freaking fantastic. You hear the crowd kind of surge as they kind of realize what's happening because I think that had happened to like, a lot of people had gotten lulled by Mind Your Manners and then thought them back to back like okay we can kind of take a break like these are kind of common songs like we're we getting near the end of the set here but as soon as Masters of War everyone's like whoa the like, old okay. school fan pops out of people that remember the Bob yeah. Dylan tribute from 92 yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, and it's, uh, just, <laughs> it's just thunderous like when it kicks in like and you hear Boom going crazy and McCready just is on another level like playing like he's from another planet yeah this, this is the number one cover of the show Number one, I yeah. fully agree with that. I, I honestly, at this point, I forget some of the other covers that they did, but Masters of War is, is probably above them. I can't disagree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just you don't use the phrase spine tingling a lot, and I don't like to overuse that because then it would make the stuff that really should stand out and be that, like this, make it feel ineffective. But yes, this is a spine tingling moment for sure. It might even be better than that 92 version at the Bob Dylan Tribute. Well, I mean, that's a fantastic version, but you also yeah. don't get the drums. You don't get the whole experience like this. Yeah, different stages. So they followed that up, and again, they do the same exact thing at Fenway. They follow up a really impactful Masters of War with a fast patron. They don't do the the slow Just Eddie on the intro. Uh, they just kind of go into it roaring a little bit. Um what what's your preference on it? You know, I, I it's either way. I kind of like it when they start slow and then go fast. But the the fast one always reminds me of those like ninety seven, ninety nine kind of shows where Ed was playing with C Average and you know the One mm. and all that stuff. We're playing those solo shows, so I, I like the fast version probably a little more than the slow version. Okay. So th- th- this for me is the the number three cover of the night. Number three, okay. Yeah, I, I think after Masters of War, I think I would have been a little bit taken aback had it just been Ed playing and, and then the rest of the band come in. I think you needed something fast and, and just sort of just powerful after that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the great combo. It worked at Fenway, it worked at Wrigley, too. It's, I mean, their energy is through the roof right now going into the end of, of the first set, which is their going to bust out the hits but before they do so ed briefly shouts out an army sergeant named kyle johnson and says he wants to meet him more on that story later so (laughs) the combo to end set number one is daughter jeremy betterman and daughter you get a little bit experimental uh you get some call and response it was pretty damn good call and response a little bit of uh another brick in the wall with the improv line and and jeff is still doing the wma baseline with ed saying people leave your guns at home um would you i I thought this version of daughter was actually really good oh yeah it's it's the classic one like the for the casual fans for like that i mean I, i prefer it's okay that's one that i that i haven't seen that i was chasing but to get wma and another brick in the wall i mean that's the one that people want yeah. you know yeah. that's that's going back to snl and going back to all the ones that you've heard on the radio and those are the classic tags so yeah i thought this was perfect fan service like yeah and it, 
you mentioned the kind of the weird stuff Ed's doing some vocalizing I think he's just kind of just letting his his range stretch a little bit yeah yeah I thought it was great yeah and it really um it sort of it sort of gets a little dark before it gets light because you get through Jeremy and Jeremy is great there's absolutely nothing wrong with the solid version of Jeremy crowds crowds back in all in at this yeah absolutely but you hit better man up that's such a a massive three-headed monster and and better man is so different because ed decides to stop basically (laughs) mid-song and not only that but he says something like after uh before or after going into the chorus and i think he says like can you all hear me or something like that or do i hear you i don't remember but from from that it, it seemed like something was a little off and then we find out that okay Ed is in full good mood Ed mode and he's going to interact with the crowd a little bit here. So he wants to point out somebody's shirt in front, somebody that later we'll find out is wearing a shirt that says unfuck with the bull. But then he's like, wait a minute, what's that shirt? It says Janet fucking Weiss right there. Uh, she's from Slater Kenny. She's a badass drummer. We should so play you, the clip because we we can't do his. Oh joke no, we can't. And we can't. The front row is, is we're playing this song, and then there's a person in the front row that is exactly what this song is about, and it's not a song about being a victim. Legs, can you can you see this woman here? For, first of all, now there's a guy has a shirt that says Janet fucking Weiss. That's the drummer of a band called Slater Kenny. Janet is, is a badass. She's a badass. <laughs> and um, so you caught my eye. Let's hear it for Janet fucking Weiss. friend of Matt fucking Cameron. And then, and then let me show you the shirt next to that. It's, it's a white snake. Now, sir, I do not know what the fuck that is about. Tell me that's ironic. Please. You're pointing at Mike McCready. Don't fucking blame him, White Snake. Mr. White Snake. I hope you have a better nickname than that already, because otherwise you're going to be Mr. White Snake. Does your wife dance on cars and shit while you're in the garage with smoke machines and. You got big poofy hair under that hat? What do you got going there? Is it all just... But if we pan to the right a little bit, um, my friend right there with the, the black shirt, legs. See that shirt right there? Took me a second to read it. Unfuckwithable. Take no shit, no abuse, no bad attitudes, no, no rent paying, bachelor, reject, fuck that, not with you, you're unfuckwithable. 
top-notch Ed banter. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, the White Snake guy thing, mm-hmm. like, that's the story ho- we're hoping that he gets back to us, but we're hoping we have the story from White Snake guy. Okay, cool. So he wrote into us and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy, uh, you know, w- would you rather have the long story or the short? So I said, <laughs> dude, do it up. If you need to yeah, type man. it out on a Word document, just do it. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you get all that, and then at the end – you get something a little uh, powerful, you know, a statement that he makes with the un, un, unfuckwithable shirt, and uh, that kind of ties into what Better Man is, is really about. So it's just, it's all encompassing. You get entertaining Ed, you get, you know, laughable, jokeable Ed, and then you get Ed that's that's empowering, and that's such a good, poignant way to end, end the first set. I thought they were going to do a the Harriet the Spy cover. There was a band from the 90s, one of those like kind of spastic indie rock pre-emo bands called Harriet the Spy that had their album was called Unfuckwithable. Hmm. Uh, it's a great album if people want to go back. But um, you didn't think we were going to get a Harriet the Spy shout out on this thing, did you? No, uh, and that brings me back because I, <laughs> I don't know the band, but I yeah. remember the book and the movie yeah. came out when yeah. I was a kid. So. Great band from the late 90s. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I remember this kind of became a thing after this. I think maybe Jeff had the shirt. Later, yeah, I've, someone gave him I, the shirt. I've seen this before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it kind of became a thing. Yeah, at least with within Pearl Jam fans and within yeah. this community, usually things that come from big shows stick with people. That's sort of how it all goes down, but this is, it's great. You know, it, it has it has lasting power. So, uh, Encore number one, how are you feeling after all that? That's like 19 songs Ooh. right there. Like you feeling yeah. that they can up the ante a little bit? Like, can they get much better? Or you thinking that wh- wh- where's your mindset? Oh, just taking it all in, man. Like after, yeah, after that last five, it was just, man, just need to take a break. Cause like, yeah, what's, what's coming up next? Cause like just a perfect end of the set, like better man is underrated as a set closer, whether it be a main set or an encore closer, it it kind of gets overshadowed. Like a lot of times they do rear mirror and porch and a lot of things. Right. Better man is, is perfect for that spot. I even think they could use it to close the show if they had to. Um, but yeah, like I remember we'll get in, like get in this little encore break. He talk he's tries to start an, a wave, like the wave, but with, with yelling, I was just not, was that added. weird? Cause it came not, off it, as weird. It was weird. Like, yeah, okay. do not, do not try to do the wave. Like, no, I, I, I did not participate in that. For yeah. The I mean, the wave sucks at baseball games. Yeah. This this is Ed. He's taking liberties now. He's he's taking like he was funny. It, you know, he he had a couple of funny lines back in Better Man and and a little bit before, but now he's just like, "All right, how can I control you fuckers? Here's my marionettes. Do do as I say." And I, yeah, I wasn't wasn't feeling it for this one. Yeah. Yeah. He this is where he breaks out the massive bottle of wine and he has a, it's it's weird because I didn't see the clip of this, but uh, he says something to Jeff about like choking on the cork or something like that. Yeah, can Did you catch that? I, yeah, I don't remember, but yeah, I think there was there was definitely it was definitely flowing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So 
I mean, the big bottle of wine is is basically the definition for, well, yeah, for th- this I, show. I, I think I thought they were going to that meant they were going to play Crazy Mary because talks about like, oh, I'm gonna, I, I brought enough for everybody. I'm going to share it with you. Right, right, right. But yeah, no, it, it goes into B-Girl and he talks a little bit about uh, the writing for the song and, and stuff that I didn't really know beforehand that he kind of had an interaction with B-Girl and kind of saw, you know, how her mother was treating the whole situation when the the height of the blind melon video was uh, was circulating. So that was that was interesting. It was interesting to hear all that. Yeah, it was that kind of like compose a story like that at that at that point yeah. was you know impressive. <laughs> we kind of forget like it's it's kind of fallen by the wayside. But there was that whole like you know pushy mom culture of trying to get your yeah. kids famous and all that. Like that was kind of a big thing in the started in kind of the mid to late nineties. So yeah, they. I, I didn't know. I didn't. You know, I didn't remember that being part of the story either. So that was that was interesting to hear. Yeah, I wonder. I hope she turned out okay. Yeah. Um, and now kids can just get popular on their own with TikTok. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are 14 year olds that are millionaires out there because they <laughs> dance every day. Like that. Huh. If you're ever, if you ever want to feel worse about yourself, just go on TikTok and know that every single little girl that's doing whatever dances that they do, I've don't watch tiktok my wife does but i all i know is that there are a lot of choreographed shit going on uh yeah they're they're multimillionaires, and uh yeah so just just think about that when you want to depress yourself even more but uh b-girl is a nice little performance here you, you get some of the some of the uh the rare guns in here the some of the serious collectors and this is a nice one for the the environment and going back to 2013 again they sound checked this the night before, so I wonder if they if they hmm. thought about that when putting this back in the set list. Yeah, and it's it's kind of I think it's them kind of being a little tongue in cheek there. We're gonna play the most anti stadium rock song that we have. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's it's still going back to their roots of, of being the anti establishment band. Yeah. They yeah. they could still pull that card out when they have to so yeah good version nothing nothing uh nothing against it and uh but this is the this is a big moment that follows it though Mm -hmm. as we get kyle johnson mentioned again and his girlfriend amy is there amy surprised them with tickets and then they got got brought on stage for their favorite song and just as ed is strumming the little intro to just breathe how's the moment john Yep, so they're kind of, so he's, you know, everybody's, you know, the band obviously, in retrospect, they knew what was going to go, what was going on, so just kind of staring, he, they're kind of off, like, to the, to Stone's side a little bit, kind of off to the side, and you see, like, as the song starts, he gets down on one knee, you know, like, immediately everyone in the crowd's like, aww, <laughs> and, like, what's she gonna do, she's not gonna say no, like, right. it's at, they're on stage at a Pearl Jam show, so, happy ending you hear the surge in the crowd during the song like you hear everybody scream and they have their little moment like i think they were they had they brought chairs out they got to like sit on the stage for the rest of the song and they're just kind of like armed holding hands it was very adorable and very cute now i i might sound like kind of a downer by even bringing this up but this this kind of thing has become more commonplace and i know this is a completely 
different situation because this is a, a soldier and you know it's it's worth the uh uh the magnitude of of which it um it was it was it was placed but like i've i've been in hockey games before where you know the kiss cam shows up and and you know the couple kisses and then the guy goes down on 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 one knee like i feel like this was not you know this was above that and it wasn't just the random you know random game on a tuesday that that a guy proposes kind of do a little too much cheese factor that i wanted a pearl jam show okay but yeah i mean i again you you give it to them it's it was a nice moment for them but again i it doesn't doesn't resonate with me personally okay yeah that's i kind of yeah i'm the same way about that stuff i i've seen I've seen proposals at minor league hockey games. It's 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 become it's become enough. You know, find find other ways to do it. Uh, but uh, just breathe is fine. I think I have more to say on I believe in miracles though, because yeah. that's such a tremendous version. I hope this is number two for you. It is number two. Fantastic. Yes, cover that's, number two. That's great because this is such a good moment, and it reminds me of. Uh, Let's Play 2 and a really great scene in the movie where Ed is playing on the roof of Murphy's and he's playing this acoustic the same way he played it at the Gorge and you get to see sort of some of the surroundings where, you know, the fans are are getting in line or the fans are, are watching them uh, perform up, up at the bar uh, and just just cool visuals. That whole movie is, is fantastic visuals. If you haven't seen it in a while, I just suggest you... You know, add to your collection, spend the 25 bucks on Amazon and, and just get the movie because it's it's worth it. I, I did it for research for the show and I'm glad I have it in the collection now. But um, yeah, look, you're thinking big, big venue, big show, a guy that Ed has so much history with, Johnny Ramone, uh, you know, he, he's one of the people that I'm sure he thinks of when, you know, they, they get get the contract in and they sign for to play two nights at Wrigley, two nights at Fenway. I'm sure he's thinking to Johnny Ramone. Johnny would love would love it for me to, to play because the Ramones wouldn't play a show like that, of course, but I feel like Johnny would be proud of him for oh, something definitely. like this. And like, had they so they did this acoustic at Benaroya and did they do it at the Gorge? Is that, is that a yeah, show too? this was the opener of the Gorge, yeah. So, from, they, uh, so did this, was this only the third time that they'd done this acoustic version? Uh, can't confirm. Okay. But at least three, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I always go back to, to Ben and Roya. Like, I remember thinking this was really, really cool. And it's and it, it does have a little bite to it. It's not like a soft acoustic version. Like, they... Right. It, it's It's got some, got some teeth to it. So, yeah, I thought this was fantastic. And you have to think, you know, again, um, we brought it up in the 2013 show, just sort of the timeline of where the Cubs are at. And I feel like this is kind of, in a way, Ed's anthem for being a Cubs fan. Uh, the Cubs are going through a great season after losing to the Mets in uh, the National League Championship Series. You can't forget about that sweep. They lost to the Mets on the day that was supposed to be the Cubs winning the World Series day from Back to the Future, if you remember correctly. So, I seem to have forgotten that for some reason. Yeah, it, it was a big thing, and then uh, I was just happy that, that the Mets won and, uh, and then got dumped by the Royals, but that's something we don't talk about here. We're just glad that there's going to be baseball in 2020. That's, you know, hopefully they're safe with it. But you have to think at, the, at this point, like, they're, they're, 
the momentum is swinging in the Cubs' way, and, and they really think that this year they have a chance. I think 2015 was sort of, it was, I don't want to say a fluke, but they definitely weren't expected to go as far as they could. And then they, they acquired a couple uh, a couple new players. I think they, I think that was the year they signed Lester. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, they were stacked in 2016. That's, that's an all-star team. And uh, I, I think that's just an anthem for that time period of just being a Cubs fan, I'm sure. serious collectors here they they do a they do a good job of just kind of i feel like there's one of there's two of every type of song so you get like two serious collectors two covers two uh emotional songs just breathe and we'll get to the other one in a second then you get the two um you know the the two hits later on so what would you think about just kind of dissecting that whole part of this set yeah, I thought it was it was a little strange because you kept expecting like them to kick into like a given to fly or a breath or something to to kick it back in, but it it kind of kept going. They played acoustic for a long time. I think it was right. What's it? Four or five songs. So yeah, like it. I kept like you know I kept waiting for the the punch in the face to come back, but uh, let me sleep is is it was a big surprise too. Like again, you don't think of hearing hearing a Christmas song in in August in in chicago but yeah he does he tells a cool story about it about the writing of it and yeah full band version of let me sleep i thought it was fantastic before oh. before you get into the the big one right only the sixth time ever played and uh we've covered it before over on patreon i think one of the bridge school shows so yeah we haven't really talked about this song on the show too often and we're probably not going to get many more chances to if we end up covering I, don't, I can't even remember what, what shows they played. I, th- I think one of them was the Seattle, like the Key Arena show in, mm. in 2013. But I, I, again, like no idea when that'll ever come up. It's definitely not coming up again in 2020, but um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice song. I, I think, you know, I, I like the, the album version more than I like it live. Yeah, just like I like getting the background of it. You know, he talks about you know walking around chicago and the like, story is nice yeah yeah it's, it's it was some cool some cool background gave it a little bit more depth than it. you think that song you know it normally has it, it gave ed and i know he's you know can come off as mr everyman but it it you know it, it took him back to the where when he talks about gas station ed when he talks about get ed that was uh just working at, at, as a hotel assistant or, or whatever ed did before going to do what he, he he would end up doing he lived a pretty normal life where you know his worries were i don't have money to catch a taxi so i gotta wait till 2 30 in the morning to, to catch the l train so it's you know all, all that tying in it's uh 
it's a cool moment. So, and obviously he's he's thinking about Chicago and Ridley as well when he's doing that. So, yeah, this this moment after this is this is the biggie. This is this is probably number one for me from this show. Uh, they invite Steve Gleason onto the stage to speak, and I'll I'll let you listen to him here. Hi there, Ridley Field. If you want my opinion, this stadium and this field are most sacred ground. Like all of you, I'm inspired and strengthened by the music of these guys. Mike and I have been friends. Mike and I have been friends for almost 15 years. And I'm grateful for the relationship that my family has with the Pearl Jam family. This next song is one of my all-time favorite songs, ever. Everyone who has a heartbeat will face adversity, but when you experience those moments, like the message in this song, please remember this. How we choose to feel, is how we are. And personally, I feel fucking awesome. Kevin boys. So, this is of course, incredibly important, incredibly powerful. The movie is coming out, Steve Gleason's movie is coming out, and it might have been around that week, I, I can't remember, but, um, you know, everybody knows Steve's story and how positive he is and, like, how much of a, a positive attitude he has towards these things. It's just, every time I see him, I can't help but, but smile, and I just feel so good for him and his family that they come out of this with such a, a positive perspective. Yeah, and it was a it was a big moment too. Like they they bring him out, and I think everyone was just kind of like, "Whoa, okay, cool, right?" Like it was like, "All right," and like yeah, like absolutely. And then he he does that great speech and just gets everybody again. It get just like just like with with Masters of War, where everyone kind of like, "Okay, we're 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 paying attention now," right? It was like yeah. everyone everyone was just rapt attention, like hanging on every word that he said and. Yeah, it was, it was a, just a powerful moment. How we choose to feel is how we are, and I feel fucking awesome. Like, just hearing that yeah. come out, that that's just, oof. And it gets you it's in a, such an intense version of Inside Job. And you know how the relationship between Mike and Steve, they're, they're so close with each other. And Mike was just playing his heart out on this. Uh, you know, this is Mike's song. Anytime you bust it out, Mike is going to just... Tear, tear a new one into it and this should be played on ballpark stages and special moments like this 100% like play this more often yeah it's it's criminally underplayed I'll agree with that yeah just fantastic performance and I, I think this makes this encore just it this is the standout moment from probably this encore probably this entire show when we go back to to do the top three it's 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 in there i haven't decided if it's number one
right, so more covers. Comfortably Numb is probably number seven for you. Um, number six. Number six. Okay. M- McCready saves it at the end. There's, there's a. I'll give him credit. There's a great, great McCready. So I know he was coming off a high off of Inside Job, just still feeling it. I'm sure. So he he recovers a little bit. But yeah, not not a song that I really like. So. Yeah. Um. And and look, Comfortably Numb. I th- I think a lot of these night one actions were performed at Fenway's night one. And I feel like comfortably numb was done the same exact spot in the same exact, you know, setting where you play a bunch of acoustic style songs and, and then you get comfortably numb and before getting to the end of the set. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it felt, it felt like they could have changed it up just for Wrigley, but it wasn't bad. Ed tells a good story beforehand about how, he was by the water and looking at the sky and looking there's a world of possibilities and music helped him imagine the possibilities and he speaks he speaks of Pink Floyd to that, you know, so well. You know, we we talked about Roger Waters' influence on him last week and, you know, how he was playing with him a little bit in two thousand twelve and of course he thinks about him during these moments, I'm sure. Yeah, I think he even calls him out, like I think even either before or after he does he say like for Roger or something or maybe gives him a uh, yeah I, I I think it's somewhere in there I think yeah. so yeah but yeah big arena song big ballpark song I should say but uh yeah we've talked about comfortable comfortably numb before there's it's a good Pink Floyd song and they play it exactly like how Pink Floyd does so <laughs> not much not much really else to say I know a lot of people love that moment but uh, I'd rather talk about another Pink Floyd song, uh, Interstellar Overdrive into Corduroy. Interstellar a little higher on your list, or? Um, yeah, it's, it fits somewhere like the four and a half, four. five and a half range. Okay. It's, it's, I, I, don't, I don't give it full credit. It's, it's, it's a half. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool intro to Corduroy, and getting, getting the two back-to-back, I'm sure, for, for Pink Floyd fans, that was cool. Yeah, and you know what? You get Corduroy at the end of the set, and it's always one where if you get this far... You're probably not actively thinking to yourself, oh, we didn't get Corduroy tonight. But when they strum the, when he strums the intro to it, you're like, oh, crap, we didn't get Corduroy before, but we're getting it right now. This is amazing. That's sort of, that was the moment that I had from that Fenway show where they closed the encore with Corduroy. Oh, yeah. And again, like, it's one of those things where after comfortably, during comfortably numb, I was kind of like, uh checked out a little bit like look right. around and see what's going on like i'm I, I, you don't have my full attention at that point but yeah corduroy again fully back in one of my favorite songs and and i was familiar with the the newer version of it they'd done it in the the, show, the shows in 2016 that i saw before this so i knew but again it, it completely fooled the people around me you know and a lot of people too <laughs> listening to this you hear everybody kind of kick in and i remember people around me going like wait what they changed it what what is this that's how you know, like, you can kind of dissect the hardcore fans from the the average fans a little bit, you know? like Well, just the people that were lucky enough to have seen them earlier in the year. Oh, sure, but I think that the hardcore fans, even if they didn't get to see them, would know that they're doing a version like this. They would, they would listen to the boots and, and things like that, you know? Sure. So, yeah. but, like, and now it's, it's so commonplace that you just kind of go into you sing it and it's part of the song and you know they come back with the the call and response and it's just part of the song's identity now 
Yeah, and it, it's kind of like... For better or for It's worse. interesting that it's kind of moving a little later in the set, maybe because of that, they kind of are giving it a little more featured spot in an encore, you know, it's interesting. Especially this encore just needed more energy after yeah. all that look. I feel like... It might have been bad placement to put Comfortably Numb after Inside mm-hmm. Job. Maybe you want Corduroy after Inside oh, Job. Just need a breath. I was waiting on breath. Really? Yeah. Okay. Or, or state wait, or something. Hold on. Okay, alright. For a second, I didn't know if you said you wanted a breath or wanted breath. Oh no, wanted breath, like the song. You breath. wanted breath. Okay, yeah, no, like that's something that give me give me something old, like something like classic that everyone can like get up to, yeah. Yeah, like no, a I, rearview mirror or something, I guess. Sure. Both of those could absolutely yeah. work there. You know. Uh yeah, I, I, I agree. I think you needed to kind of continue momentum after after inside job and you know placement there wasn't wasn't the best but uh it, it still worked and corduroy great version porch it's fast porch blues can we yep. call it that is that yep. a thing a little bit I of the stop start intro like he, he stops and kind of like i, I, I didn't mind it could have been voice on last cool. time yeah uh yep. you know look of all the emotional unexpected things in this encore you got to end with one of your big crowd participation pleasers. And um, Ed is running around the stage during this, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know if he was throwing baseballs yet, but. Maybe. I, I, that I might have been during close Baba. enough to tell, yeah. But I, I just, like, Jeff is great on this. I'll give Jeff a little shot here. The, the bass playing in this is, is some of the best that I've heard in Porch in a long time. Yeah, that's that's a good point because everybody wants to point out Mike and they want to point out Matt. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Jeff Jeff yeah. does come through really well on this. Uh, and that, look, where are you at now? Encore 2. And that was a pretty jam-packed Encore 1. You got, like I said before, rares, covers, moments, and you know, two two of their most classic songs. So, how can they top what they did there? Yeah, I think I was mostly thinking about getting back and how much sleep I was going to get because it was <laughs> a, a five month old back in the hotel room waiting. But right, yeah, it was getting pretty late. But no, yeah, it's just just enjoying the moment at this point. Like whatever comes comes. You know, you're you're in it at this point. You've already seen so many great moments and so many classic things. You're like just. I'm open to whatever they want to hit us with, you know. Yep. And you know, they 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 keep it pretty level here. There's not a lot of completely rare stuff like, you know, Go is pretty energetic to open your encore and then they kind of take a left turn and, and play black and that gets pretty emotional. Um what was uh I mean, two great songs. You going back to the early stuff that that's what you wanted when you heard uh, when you wanted to hear breath in that spot yeah and i love when they when they take a song like a go or a comatose or whipping or something and open like an encore two with it and it's one of those things like yeah you you may you know people are getting kind of drunk like people getting tired like yeah some people are looking at their watches like okay we're almost over here, but yeah, to come out with a song that just, again, just punches people in the face and gets everybody back going crazy immediately. Would you say a song that pulls the alarm? Uh, sure. Okay. Just wanted to keep you on your toes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Black? I mean, you get epic versions of Black on the big stage. I think this was, cool. was used in the let's play too and you know it's because the crowd participation the we we belong together tag 
everything's going through this. Yeah, one of my favorites. Absolutely. Um, where's Surrender on your covers list? <sighs> Surrender's number seven. Okay. I just, yeah, I thought it was just kind of no pun intended cheap and kind of uninspired and just pandering a little bit. But maybe, again, now, that, that could just be me. It's just, again, it's, it's right. not, not one of my favorite bands, not one of my favorite songs, so now, is it, maybe lost on me. Is it one of these things where night one, you kind of accept it, and night two, are you a little bit more agitated when it comes up at night two, or should we get to that? Uh, a little bit. I'll, 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 I'll see how I'll see what, what feelings it brings back when I go back and listen to that one, but yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I remember something like that coming I'm not a fan when they do back-to-back cover nights. Like, I think that, that goes back to the Aerosmith song they did at Fenway. I know that Tom Hamilton was there for night two, but just save it for night two if that's going to happen, you know? Yeah, seven covers is a little too much. Give me give me four. I'm okay with four. Maybe right. five. But I, you could have lost Surrender. You could have lost Rain. You could have lost Comfortably Numb for me and replaced them with, with other Pro Jam songs. I'd have been a little happy. Yeah, and I, and I get the, I get why they're doing Surrender. Look, Cheap Trick's a local band. They're from Rockford. So it's it's a tribute to them, and they got to play with them at, at Madison Square Garden earlier in 2016. But I, you're right. It's not... It doesn't jump at me as one of Pearl Jam's best or most notable covers at all. I was hoping Pinhead Gunpowder would have come out and kicked him on out of the record scratch on that. Thing, and that's another punk rock reference everybody's gonna get. Yeah, not me. Sorry, yeah. you lost yeah, me. There's, yeah, there's a Pinhead Gunpowder is uh, Billy Joe from Green Day's side project band from the 90s, and they have a song called Losers of the Year where it starts out with the, the clip of Surrender playing, and then they scratch the vinyl and the song kicks in. But um, yeah, that's just, you know, Surrender's kind of lost on me. You know? it's, it's like, eh, okay, have your fun. I'll give you another punk rock reference. How about me first in the Gimme Gimme's version of Tomorrow, where they yeah. do the Daddy's Alright, uh, they just seem a little weird. Mm-hmm. Right. I, lo- I love versions of the Gimme Gimme songs where they, they throw in either classic punk rock songs, like uh, I think they did The Generator, and I think they mm-hmm. did London Calling for a song. Uh, yeah, There's a couple of Black Flag ones in there. Oh, yeah. Um, Suspect, or Suspect Device. Suspect Device. Oh, yeah. that was a perfect yeah. one. Into I think it was... Uh, uh, for the longest time oh my god so great mm-hmm. but we can we can go off and, and do a gimme gimme's podcast at another time <laughs> but uh and maybe someday we will get the chance to do that i know yeah, yeah. uh that's that's a uh that's a nod to you justin if you're listening deprogrammed make it happen um alive ends this little block of songs here and this is sort of it's your it's your epic goodbye moment so to speak and you kind of think Maybe this is your last song and they do come out for two more, but this is a pretty impactful version. After they, somebody messed up at the beginning. I think it, it was only, like yeah, better. right. But he but kind they, of they, forgot they, about they that pretty quickly. Up. Yeah. It's, and yeah. again, it, this is, it's a party at this point. Like everybody's singing along. Everybody's, you know, throwing their hands up in the air and pumping their fists. And yeah, it's, it, again, it's it becomes a celebration, and yeah, everybody everyone's having a great time. That might have been the moment where Ed busted out the 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 glove and, and ball and played catch. Sounds right. That might have been it because I think it was during live at Fenway where he did the same thing. So, um, but yeah, cool moment, and this is sort of your encore three. It's a very 
rare encore three appearance that we get here. And it's almost like a Wrigley show will never freaking end. Will it? <laughs> it was hey, kind of like that. Uh, I, I was not up for two in the morning again with, <laughs> with the little baby back at the hotel room. I, I would have been out if they kept playing after these. And was your travel like you, you had to go back on the train, right? Yeah. Had to get back on the train and get back to the hotel. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Not fun. So yeah, you, you would have, you would have taken it alive and, and, and left it there. Sure. But, you know, and getting all the way is cool. You know, it's and that's one of those things that, the, like like you said, like they said, they're never going to play it again. So it, right. it was cool to get it in the moment. Yeah, and I, I think looking back, it's one of those hindsight things where, you know, they have Ron Santos' family on stage. They have Jose Cardinal on stage. Jose Cardinal, Eddie's favorite Cub of all time, favorite baseball player of all time. And I don't say that sarcastically. I just say it because we, we know, you know. Um, but it's... I think when you look at hindsight and look at everything that happened and kind of looking back on the movie and how this song ties in so many moments in that movie, I, getting the song two nights in a row, fine. Look, they did it and they went all the way. Look, it's it's the anthem. I think at the time, however long they were going to play Wrigley, when, for however many, many years the Cubs weren't going to win the World Series, he was going to bring it up. So... You know, these were the last two times. You don't know it at the time, but it's still it's still pretty memorable and pretty important. I'm sure all the Cubs fans listening, that's a proud moment for you guys. So, yeah. uh, and then we finished the show. I believe it's song number 33, uh, and Bob O'Reilly finishes the set. So, this is great. I, I love this show. Where's Baba on your uh, your cover list? Probably like a five, number four. Right Number in the middle. Four. You know, okay. it, it doesn't didn't have the power of like a Masters of War or a Miracles or a Patriot, but and sort of a, expected. Yeah, but definitely above the the rain, comfortably numb, surrender portion. So right in the middle, number four. Yeah, classic. You know, the hoop, love it. You know, it's it's again just a party. You know, doing doing the Townsend windmills and everybody's having a great time. Right. Yeah, and Ed gives it to the crowd to sing one last time, and they kill it as always, and. It's a great, great way to cap off the first night of this. So where, okay, so this, this show ends and where's, where's your headspace at? You think that this oh, is exhausted. toppable? Exhausted. But do, <laughs> maybe the next day. So the next day yeah, when you're thinking yeah. back to what all went down and you're able to consume it a little bit, do you think that this is toppable? No, I mean, I think I, th- I was thinking this was, this was the warm up. you know, and everybody knows, you know, night twos are always better than your night ones, you know, cause night twos when they, when they just go crazy. And I remember thinking like too many covers, maybe we'll get less covers in night two. I was wrong. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But yeah, just, I think, uh, but yeah, the, so many great moments. Like, again, I, I still remember that feeling of master's war release light years. And I got shit, you know, that better man moment, like inside job, like so many great moments from the show. Yeah, I, I was on a high the whole next day. Like, I, I sure, I'm sure I probably talked about it for hours as we were walking around Chicago. Yeah, and the anticipation just—I love that you had the one day in between the two shows, so the anticipation gets to rise a little bit. You get to have your voice take a little bit of a break, and you know, again, you said you got to take uh, the city of Chicago in, which is great. And I think I did the same thing when we went to Boston. So. Yeah, like it's it's a great look. It's not just going to Pearl Jam shows. It, it's like it's just a great travel experience. 
Oh yeah, it was fantastic. Just the whole you, you know, there's there's so much iconic stuff there, and it's it's a great city to just walk around in. Like we, we I don't think we ever even got in a cab or took a any, like a ride anywhere. Just walked around. It was great. Yeah. So all right. So uh, let's let's uh, try to decide some top three moments here. All right. Sh- should I go first? Should I break the trend of you going first and give you the honors of last last statement here? Sure. Yeah. L- let's hear what you've got. Okay, um, I know one song that is definitely in my top three. I would think that number two or number three is I Believe in Miracles. It's funny because I think two of these songs are going to be covers. It's kind of almost <laughs> hard to ignore them. But yeah, uh, two, two of my favorite moments from this, this night were definitely covers. Uh, I Believe in Miracles because... I think it just ties in with the whole idea of what the weekend was like and, you know, what's going through the Cubs fans mind. And, you know, you look back in hindsight and it's a perfect, it's a perfect ending. And, and this song fits right in like a glove. So, uh, I would say that actually I can leave off masters of war. I was going to put masters of war on mine. I know it's going to be on yours and I'm going to give the nod to release as my number two moment because, and that's a really that's more like a one and one and one a right there because I inside job is my number one moment from the show like that's nearly untoppable but as good as that version of release was and the dedication and what we know from just from talking to John in yesterday's episode and all of the stuff that came out of the movie like yeah that's I mean those can just be one a and one b whatever you want to say but those are the top for me Hmm. i'm you know i'm I'm with you man inside job number three for me i thought it was fantastic version of that song one of the best inside jobs you're going to hear uh number two release Uh, yeah we did a whole episode on the one song basically (laughs) so how can it how can it not be and again my first time seeing it uh unbelievable and number one masters of war just being where it was in the set, like the way the whole band kicks in, and it it sounds like there there wasn't a lightning delay, but there could have been after that song because it was that powerful. It was. It did have a thunderous vibe to it. Absolutely, oh, absolutely. And that's one of. I mean, I I had this song from this show on my phone for years after this, and every time it came up, I would just transport it right back to there. And it's mm-hmm. that's that's my number one from this. That's that's yeah. the one thing I remember taking away as like the moment. Nice. All right. So that all leads to some ratings here and how we rate this. You come off of a 10 from 2013. I'm like a 9.5 slash 10. I gave a 10 to the experience, but I gave a 9.5 to the set in the show. Uh, I'm going to give this a nine. I think this is totally solid. I think maybe I was dissuaded out of a 9.5 from the show because of little things just in conversation with you that I didn't realize. Like, yeah, maybe a little bit too many covers. Maybe I didn't like the placement for some of the covers and, and maybe there was a little bit of downtime in this, but um, totally fits the ballpark vibe. I mean, absolutely deserving of a nine. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go eight and a half. Really? Um, I'm right there. Like, yeah, it's, and again, I'd, just compared, you know. Spoiler alert! I absolutely love the Night Two show. Uh, I think that that compares or it holds up much better. I think in hindsight, but yeah. And then 
and you, you know, there's nothing wrong with the show yet. Like we said, there's so many great moments, so much iconic stuff from the movie release inside job, like even like corduroy comfortably numb people love the daughter stuff is great, but I just don't think it's up there with that upper tier of classic shows. Okay. Even though there's some really classic moments in this, yeah, you know, yeah. the release moment, the inside job moment, like those are, those are ones that go down. Uh, I mean, they're ingrained in people's minds. Like, yeah, you have a lot of that in night two as well, but I, I yeah, still, and, I, and I, maybe, you know, I went back and forth eight and a half, nine, but yeah, I'll go, I'll stick with eight and a half. Okay. So that was the second of the Wrigley five and we are almost halfway there. We got another one next week. We're going to follow with the sequel to, to 2016. And John kind of left you off a little teaser there that it, it was much better. Um, and we are going to be joined in that episode by a former co-host slash current semi-participant. If you remember him by thy name. It is Matt Helbig coming back on the show next week. So very excited. Ding very ding excited. ding. Yeah. The fights will begin we, right from the start. Waiting. We've been waiting for this one for a while. Yeah. You haven't been on a show together in ooh, how many since uh, Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this has been a long time coming, guys. This is the real boxing match that we were we've been waiting for on this show. It may and come to blows. I I think it's gonna come to blows first mm. song in. <laughs> you know what opens the show oh, yeah oh yeah i remember and he's yeah and he's just gonna sit on his hands and be frowny facing over it so uh it's sh- it should be an entertaining show so we have that that'll be next wednesday jonathan cohen is going to come on the show next tuesday and we're going to do the dual show uh things next week we'll reveal who's going to be on the show for the following week as our guest and then we'll get into 2018 and we'll just yeah we'll we'll keep going with the wrigley shows and they'll kind of lead us into the beginning of baseball which is kind of timed sort of perfectly so yeah Lots of lots of good things to be looking forward to. If you want more of us and more of the Patreon stuff, patreon.com slash live on four legs, chip in. And remember, if you donate in the month of July, we will send you the free gift. So we are over 50. We have met our goal. But if you make our goal bigger and help us out, you'll be part of the free gift. So uh, looking forward to hooking you all of you guys up with something kind of cool and uh, kind of neat. So anything else to say, anything that you want to keep people, uh, you know, waiting for, uh, for, for night two, is there a theme maybe? Hmm, man, the just, I, I remember thinking those, that first part of the set, like, could this be an all timer? It's, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong, and uh, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get a number. We'll we'll get a seven rating from Matt or something like that. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll ha- we'll have fun with that. That'll be next yeah. week. So, yeah. all right, we'll wrap it up right here. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already. I miss you always. For Andy and John, and the experiences of night one of being at Wrigley Field in 2016. We'll see you for the sequel next week as we. Play two. Be unfuck with the ball. Let me ask you one question. Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it would? Oh, I think you will find.
And I hope that you die And your death will come soon I will follow your casket In the pale after 